Today's reading is taken from John chapter 9. Jesus heals a man born blind. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. The Pharisees investigate the healing. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. They still do not believe that he has been blind and has received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become disciples? What, do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. 
We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does, God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Spiritual blindness. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Everybody. Um, so one question my sister always asked I've got two sisters and the middle one Claire would always ask my mum mum who's your favourite and uh, mum's answer was always oh you know love you all the same you know I don't have a favourite <clears throat> and my mum um, uh, uh, got early onset Alzheimer's um, 65 and then just the last few weeks of her life she was in hospital at 70 and there we were in the hospital and uh, Claire once again <laughs> asked my mum as mum was um, not in a she'd had a stroke she wasn't doing great Mama, she asked my mum again mum who's your favourite and mum in a moment of clarity looked at me and said Dan <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I said to my sister well you asked that was <laughs> there you go it's uh, my, no, my mum my died at 70 and uh, you know I remember the funeral and people saying to me oh it's so sad why, you know, that this should happen to your mum she was such a lovely person but I thought well why would it happen to anybody you wouldn't wish uh, some of that Alzheimer's uh, or any other terminal illness uh, on your worst enemy would you um, there's an assumption that bad things don't happen to good people why would this happen and there's an assumption in this passage that because this man is born blind, he must, either he or his parents, must have done something wrong. The disciples see the man and ask Jesus, but they, they notice they give him two options. Who sinned, they said. The question isn't whether, whether there was sin or not. Who sinned? Was it this man himself? Did he sin in the womb? Maybe he did. Or was it his parents? Those are the two options the disciples gave. There was this understanding that suffering and sin are connected. Now, suffering and sin sometimes are connected. If you are suffering in prison because you robbed a bank, that is your fault. That is directly down to your sin. You can blame the system, blame your parents, but you robbed the bank. And ultimately, yes, in the Garden of Eden, we heard about it on the video, uh, Adam and Eve 
turned away from God. And so sin entered the world, and so suffering entered the world. But to tie in a specific issue of suffering in some respect to, oh, well, it must be because of sin, it, it is wrong. And so Jesus says, neither he nor his parents have sinned. Neither. It blows open the idea that there has to be some reason for it. You know, if you believe in karma, you believe that in a previous life, you sinned and therefore you're suffering in this life. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And that doesn't mean God wanted the man to suffer from blindness from birth just so that he could do some magic trick. Don't, don't get that kind of idea. But God was going to use this for his glory. As long as it is day, we must do the works God's calling us to do. Jesus knows that God is calling him to heal this man. He doesn't ask the man. He doesn't appear to anyway. The man doesn't ask him or doesn't appear to anyway. Jesus goes and heals the man. Now, we're very blessed to have a hospital in this town. But just imagine, <clears throat> or village, <clears throat> Just imagine you're in hospital and uh, you're waiting for the consultant to come in and they come in and visit you. And they say, oh, yes, we've, we've found out, we've had your test results and yes, we've got a treatment for you that uh, will we'll do the trick. You'll be right as rain. The nurse has just gone out to the car park and um, they're just getting, getting some mud and uh, they're going to bring it in and we're all going to spit on it and we're going to make a little bit of a paste and we're going to put it all over your face. How does that sound to you? <laughs> would you think that was a suitable treatment in the hospital? How would you feel if that was what they suggested? You'd think, get me out of here. It's bonkers. But that is what the great physician did to this man. He made some mud with saliva, spat on the ground, put it on the man's eyes. Do you know, if you let Jesus touch you, it's going to mess you up. <laughs> In a good way. But that's what he does. Don't touch me, Lord. I'm clean. <laughs> you know, Jesus takes what is dirty and makes it right, makes things right. He does not himself become polluted by the mud. The man does not become polluted by the mud. Jesus takes what is from the ground and brings new life. That's what God did in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? Brought Adam up from the dust. Jesus is the one sent from God and we're told that he sends the man to the pool called Sent. The sent one sends to the sent. And the man goes, washes, and he comes home seeing. Do you know there's no formula when God speaks to you, when God moves in power? Gospels, we see so many different ways in which Jesus heals. Sometimes he touches people. Sometimes they touch him. Sometimes he goes nowhere near them. And in this case, there's mud. There's no formula. What's the one common denominator in the healings of Jesus? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We don't even know if this man really wanted to be healed. He was a beggar because that's all he could do. And he was going to have to find a new profession. 
There's no formula. It's just the touch of Jesus. Don't let anyone tell you it has to look like this. Don't let anyone tell you that as a Christian you have to look like this. Jesus wants to encounter you today. He wants to open our eyes today. He wants to help us see him. The end of the passage. Who do you see? You see the Son of Man before you. Do you believe in him? Uh, let, me, let me know. You're looking at him. Who do you see? Do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus? And the man, uh, the, the man sorry, uh, was known to everybody. And all the neighbours, well, is this the same guy? Oh, no, 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 it's somebody else. No, no, it is him. They're just not sure. They're thrown into such confusion. So then what do they do? They take it to the experts. Religious leaders. Sensible thing to do. They would surely know. And the first thing that would trip them up was the fact that he did it on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath is a good thing. The Sabbath is a day of rest. God ordained. It's good to rest. Does anyone agree with me? It's good to rest. Do we work too hard sometimes? Yes, we do. It's good to take time to rest. And yet Jesus said the Sabbath is made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The trouble is, and Christians do this all the time, we take something that's good and then we turn it into like a law. We turn it into something that we bow down to. Jesus says, no, the Sabbath is to enable you to have a better relationship with God. The Sabbath is for your benefit. It's not something to hit you over the head with. Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath. And they just think, well, this can't be right. can't be from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Middle section, and we read a long passage there, the middle section of John chapter 9, Jesus is nowhere to be seen. And it's partly because he's just not in that part of the narrative, but it's also partly because there is spiritual blindness. They don't see Jesus. They don't see him for who he is. They're too caught up in knots with their religious arguments. They're too distracted. They think that this is important. And they're not seeing the glory of God. Now surely, if somebody who'd been blind from birth suddenly received their sight, we'd all be going, this is amazing, right? We'd all be rejoicing. This is the most incredible miracle we've ever seen. Someone blind from birth. Wow. We'd all be astonished. You know, I may have told this before, but a friend of ours, I saw her yesterday, um, one of Tanya's best friends, Joe. She's a vicar. And for several years, I think, well, I can't remember how long it was, she was struggling with Emmy, working reduced hours, really struggling. She went to a Christian conference instantly healed of Emmy, goes home running up and down the stairs, back to work full time. Now, you'd have thought that in her church, in her Bible-believing church, everyone would go, this is amazing. And some people did. But a lot of people said, well, of course, Emmy only lasts that sort of amount of time anyway. They just didn't want to believe that God had done something. And you know there are believers who don't believe. There are unbelievers who have no problem believing. Amazing what God did. They just don't have all the hang-ups that we do. We're too used to wanting to know all the answers. 
We're too used to having it all mapped out. The Pharisees get themselves in knots and so they quiz the man. They say, well, he can't be from God because he healed on the Sabbath, so he's a sinner. So, but how can a sinner do these signs? No, it doesn't make any sense. And, and then they call the man and they say, well, you know, what, about, what, what happened? I don't know, but I'm, I was blind but I, and now I see. God doesn't call us to have all the answers, but all he calls us to do is just say what we see. Say what, what has happened. I don't know, but I do know this. This is what used to be my life. Now, this is what's happened. It's the beauty of testimony. I don't know. I, didn't, I, just, I was blind, but now I see. Don't know if this man is a sinner. I think he's a prophet. I don't know. Jesus didn't require the man to fully understand who he was before he acted in his life. He doesn't require you to have even done the Alpha course or read the Bible through five, five times. He still wants to act in your life. They, the Pharisees are stuck. Well, this is what we know is Moses. And sometimes we get stuck with what we know. We know that church was great back in the 1950s. <laughs> As for this guy, we don't know. But this man starts to speak. Nobody's ever heard of anyone opening the eyes of a man born blind. Surely this man is from God. And they say, you were steeped in sin at birth. They believe what the disciples believe. That clearly this man was a sinner or his parents. There was sin somewhere in the family. How dare you lecture us. And so they throw him out. You know, people throughout the ages have been thrown out of church. John Wesley, thrown out of church. One of my heroes, Randy Clark, was thrown out of his denomination of believing in him. Sometimes it can be a great gift when you get thrown out of church. (laughs) Does anyone fancy that? (laughs) The man gets thrown out, and then when he's thrown out, guess what happens? Jesus turns up. Jesus turns up. He had nowhere else to turn. His own parents didn't disown him, but they were scared. They didn't want to sort of stand with him because they were worried because they knew they'd be thrown out as well if they acknowledged that Jesus was from God. This man, we talked about Nicodemus just recently, and uh, this man is like Nicodemus. Well, you know, I think he's from God. I think he's a prophet. How can anyone do the signs that they do if they're not from God? He's not there yet, but he's on a journey. But of course he's fully open. And Jesus then appears to him. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Well, help me believe, Lord. I'm the Son of Man. He says, Lord, I believe. Worships worships him. Jesus is here. It's actually very simple to open our eyes so that we see him. He doesn't always look like how we expect him to look. Pharisees scoff. Ah, are we blind too? Trouble is, you think you see, Jesus says. So actually, your guilt remains. If you were blind, it would be okay, but you're not. You've seen it. You have all the evidence. 
open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you. There's some Greeks who came to, came, came to Jerusalem. We want to see Jesus. How about you? Do you want to see Jesus? Full of compassion. God's intention is that the works of God, the glory of God, will be displayed in this church, in and through our lives, so that Pembury and our neighbours and our work colleagues and our families see Jesus. Open the eyes of the blind. Jesus says, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. But then he also, of course, elsewhere says, you are the light of the world. And as his followers, that's who we are. You want to see, you have to switch the lights on. You're the light of the world. Help people see Jesus. We can be blinded by our own preconceptions. We can be blinded by our own experiences. Blinded by our prejudice, blinded by a whole host of things. Jesus wants to open our eyes to see him. Doesn't mind getting his hands dirty. Doesn't mind making some mud if it's what it takes to save you. doesn't mind upsetting a few sensibilities offending a few people Nick referred to messy church earlier I believe God is calling us to be a messy church not messy in a bad way but in a God way where we don't try and control everything where it's not all tightly packaged and managed but where we say God have your way and it might look like mud all over your face Jesus will wash it off you'll see so it's worth it The reason I'm still standing here and I'm sat down yet is because 
I just know he wants to move in power in this church. I just know that. And I love hearing how he's moving in this church. And he's opening our eyes to see how good he is. Just to see how good he is. You might get some form of rejection. You might not be at the party with the Pharisees. I don't suppose it would be much fun anyway. Your parents, we celebrate our mothers, but you know, Psalm 27 says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will never. Sometimes mothers aren't perfect, are they? But Jesus is. So, Lord, receive what you're doing here this morning. We say, Jesus, we want to see you. Okay. Before we sing our final song, I'm just going to give a bit of space and actually. Have a, actually, I've got you to stand up. But um, yeah, if anyone wants to come up and share something while we're still standing, you don't have to. Something that God's laid on your heart. This is one thing that is mastered out of my comfort zone in this part of standing up. But as uh, Dan was kind of waiting and saying, I just got this real my heart started to really break and I really like felt almost like pain and I then just got the word grief and I think that for some this day could be a really hard day could be kind of the first maybe like celebration um, of Mother's Day as it were or maybe you've had a mum let you down I don't know but I just really got like this sense of like pain um, and hurt and grief but the grief and hurt were almost separate, that there's some kind of, maybe some people that are like grieving because of losing a mum, but then there's also like the hurt of maybe a mum that's still alive or something there as well. Thank you, thank you. I just love that image <clears throat> of um, Jesus putting the mud on her face, her faces, and it's, uh, I've never seen it from that perspective in terms of the mess and the muddiness and, and everything else. Um, I just happen to have six different things wrong with me <laughs> at the moment, um, and it's, it's quite a challenge um, at times. But, and I haven't been healed um, of any of those, but Jesus is still putting the mud on my face because he's, he gives me strength um, to uh, get through the challenges that I'm facing at the moment, which involves lots of pain. And one of the things that he does do every Tuesday, I have to go and give a pint of blood at the hospital for a condition I have, hemochromatosis. And walking for me is very difficult because I have an arthritic ankle, uh, which is very challenging. 
And twice a week I managed to walk, one up to church, um, and the other, I park my um, car in the high street when I'm going to the hospital, and I walk down to the hospital. And it's virtually impossible for me to do that. And what I do as I'm walking is I'm asking God to distract my mind away from the pain in my ankle. And I call on God um, as, as the healer and my protector and my strength. And it's remarkable. Every Tuesday afternoon, I can walk to the hospital from the high street because in my head I repeatedly am praying, God, you are my strength. Amen. You can get me there and get me back. And the, the, this room is heavy with the presence of God. I feel it and sense it. And I just want to say quickly that whatever your condition is, whether you've got one or six or more, God is right here right here and waiting to put the mud on your face. So, there you are. Thank you. Amen. Can I just say, if, if, if what Nick said speaks to you, I'm going to get you out of your comfort zone even more. Um, go and, if you'd like to pray with Nick, then you know, feel free. I'm going to volunteer you to be... Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, and it may be that what Patrick's just said touched a nerve and you'd love to... And grab Patrick, and, and you don't have to rush off instantly, do you? So grab Patrick, and maybe he'll be willing to pray with you. Sorry, Rob. Um, earlier on, I had a, a picture, and it, um, it didn't really make, make sense to me, but I, I'm building on what Nick was saying and what Patrick was saying. I'm going to share it. Um, and it was a picture of uh, I was standing on hard concrete, uh, not smooth concrete, it was uh, hard concrete which was a bit gravelly and grey and it's the sort of thing that, uh, like, a, uh, like a rough tarmac area. And then uh, I saw in my mind's eye uh, loads and loads of white feathers coming down all around me like, uh, like snow and it was covering the concrete all, all, around me, all around me, not on me but all around me. Um, it didn't disguise the concrete, it didn't disguise the toughness, it didn't describe the, the hard service, but it, uh, it distracted me and took my mind from the hardness, and I was thinking about it. It was, so I think may, maybe there's, there's people who are thinking, life's just tough at the moment, and God doesn't promise to take away all the tough stuff. It doesn't promise to take away the bad stuff, but what he promises is that he will be with you. And I think by that picture, um, you're not looking at that concrete, although it's there, but actually it distracts you and points you and makes you look at Jesus. And I would encourage each of us, whatever situation that we might be in, is to focus on Jesus, because he is there with you, is there with Patrick as he walks from the high street to the hospital, is with Nicola and the pain that she, she, uh, she, she felt and described, and Christ is with each one of us. Thank you. Thank you.
Um, Do sit down. I really felt God uh, lay a story from um, early this week, or might have been last week. I can't quite remember when it when it happened, but. Um, an old family friend of ours, uh, someone who's been really influential in my life, um, was filling me in on a few things that have been going on in, um, in her family life, and the, and the big one being that her, her mum was very suddenly and unexpectedly uh, diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. The story about how this was found in the first place is a miracle in and of itself, and it's not doing anything at the moment. And if you're not aware of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, it's cancer of the blood, and it can be something that just sits and waits and does nothing. And you can go through your entire life with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that never does anything. Or it can start to spread and grow and affect your organs and then does what cancer you know the, the nastier side of cancer does, and it's um, it's a it's a noose just there all the time because at any moment you could go for a checkup or you could start to feel unwell and suddenly what was inert now is having an effect, and it's something that they don't treat when they find it in this state because the chemo and the radiotherapy would do more damage than the inert non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So obviously a very uh, serious diagnosis and a big thing for the family to kind of work on and process and I, I you know I, I got all this via a series of um, messages on, on Facebook as we were catching up and so I prayed and I said oh God is there anything you want me to to share is there is there anything that that you want me to deliver or speak into for this person who, who is a, a, a God-loving Christian herself and I, I felt a really strong word come from God, but it was quite a risky, it's quite a risky word, because if it was wrong, it could have had some very damaging effects on her faith and her family. So I said, okay, God, if you, if you want me to deliver this word, I'm going to need, I'm going to need something that says, yeah, this is from me. You haven't just made this up, Tom, it's come from you. So I did what Christians sometimes call laying a fleece. Um, from the story in the Bible where someone lays out a fleece and says, you know, if you're really God, then the fleece will be the only wet thing and the ground will be dry and then the next morning that happens. And if that wasn't enough, they then go, okay, God, I'm going to do the same again, but you're going to do the opposite, make the ground wet and the fleece dry and that happens and then they know it's from God. So I laid out a fleece. And I, I, um, I basically said to God, if the word that you want me to give is from you, then I will actually hear the words out loud. And I was watching a YouTube video and I sort of thought, okay, you know, it'll come up on the YouTube video. Uh, I'll hear someone say those words and then I'll know. So that was my kind of fleece that I laid out. And I was watching the video and nothing came up. So I started to get to the conclusion, oh, okay, maybe the word wasn't from God. You know, I don't want don't to deliver this word. And then Something that's, I've, I've laid fleeces out before and God has moved in the way I've expected. And God did something completely unexpected this time. And the confirmation that this was a word from God for that person came from the person themselves, which I've never experienced before. And the word that I had for them was watch and wait and see what God will do. 
that was the word that I had for them. And, and the word came to me because the, the position that her mum was in was what they called a watch and wait or a wait and watch scenario. You watch and you wait to see if the cancer activates, if it gets worse. And obviously that's quite a negative thing, but I really felt God say for her, watch and wait and see what I'm going to do. My confirmation for that came from the individual for who the word was for, where she said, I think God's given me a word, but what do I do with it? Do I watch and wait to see if it's the word? And I was just like, this is, this is so weird. So my encouragement for you is, you know, we've heard some, some people sharing what God's been doing in their lives or possibly words from God is watch and wait see what God will do and if you think that a word has come from God trust him that he will provide somehow the proof that it really has come from him and just encourage you in that thank you Tom it's a great story thank you so much thank you come on it's great I just want to say that I remember when I before I came to Pembroke in just in Chester, and I remember I was out walking, and there was with, with um, just out walking with one of my mates, and there's this people, two couples they're walking along with their dog, and I remember suddenly their dog was on a river, going along this sort of river bank, and it wasn't on the lead, and suddenly because the stream wasn't going so fast, but it's going down. Next week the dog fell in, so they were getting worried and worried, and there's other people there, but everyone was just like, you know, they all stand there looking at this dog, wasn't doing anything to it and I'm thinking oh god what do I do do I go in or don't I in the street and I said I haven't got no you know I ain't going to just got my clothes on and then and then I've heard God say to me look save that dog it's only a young one save it so I just jumped in even though it's there got the dog swam back out got it gave to them and they just thanked and thanked me and said thank you for what you've done <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> I've just had a really um, simple image that's come back to me through the whole of the service um, of some hands held up to receive. Um, I don't know if they're our hands, God's hands, but water flowing through them, flowing onto us. and healing water, holy water, just through that ask, just through that simple um, request, asking of God, receiving from God, and that, that holy water is pouring on us, um, no, matter, no matter what life's throwing on us, if we're, we have our hands up and we're receiving. That's brilliant, and that is, com- that is confirmed by lots of other words, actually Fran had a word, not dissimilar to, anyway, thank you Helen, that's amazing. Okay. We're going <clears> to, <throat> don't come up to me afterwards and say, well, I was going to come up, but you know. All right, let's sing. Oh, go on then. <clears throat> now, you have been working all night, haven't you? Did a night shift. Yeah. And then here she is. This is an amazing woman. Thank you. Okay, I'll just sing a song to confirm from what Patrick was saying about the presence of God being here. Jesus is here right now Jesus is here right now 
Oh, he's here to meet our needs and to set the captives free. Oh, Jesus is here right now. His presence is here, and I want this song to quicken our faith. Praise God. All right. What do you want to say, Tom? You want to go over there? Or you want to go? go on. No, swearing. Don't swear. No. Yeah, don't swear. Be nice. I, yeah. uh, yesterday, uh, I went to Weavering. And when I woke up in the morning, uh, I was like, where's Weavering? I can't remember where it is. Apparently, it's near Mason. And I know where Mason is. But it was just funny going on drive because I was thinking, all these houses I've never seen before. And I was thinking, why, why on the earth would I go to Weavering? There's no high street there or, or anything. Uh, I was doing it for sport, but it's, it's, just, it's just funny because I was thinking, uh, all these houses, there's people, I've, I've never had any reason to meet them, um, and that's, I don't know, just good why I have, like, kind of social things like these, and high streets and stuff, mm. uh, which isn't really anything to do with gold. But, that's all um, right. Uh, yeah, and then when I came back, I was, uh, I was, I was thinking, where's, where's Trudy, where's Pembury, where, where am I, because we were a bit lost in the car and stuff on the way back, and I was like, <laughs> so it was just, it was just funny. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Come on. Well done. Well done. Thank you. That's brilliant. All right. Let's uh, sing a great hymn. And uh, you all know it, I'm sure.